Welcome to the Social Dallas Podcast. Our hope is that your relationship with God would flourish like never before. So we're in a, a series. If it's your first time at Social Dallas, hello, I'm Chandler Moore, and I, this is my church. Um, if it's your first time, we are in a series called Open House. We're in a series called Open House, and what we're talking about is what Social Dallas is all about. We are a house of... We are a house of... And we're a house for cheat code up there. Um, we're a house of prayer, house of presence, and house for people. This is what we're all about. Every decision, every door that opens, any opportunity made in this church is about these three things. We pray, we bask in the presence of the Lord, and we're for people. Are you glad as you're at a church that these are the, the codes of culture? Um, so pa- last week, Pastor, uh, Pastor Robert covered house of prayer. How many of you were here last week for house of prayer? It was amazing. Crazy things popped off in, uh, during prayer. It was amazing. Uh, and this week we're covering house of presence. I love the presence of God. Uh, my middle name is David, and I'm like the David in the Bible in a lot of ways, more ways than one. But specifically, I love the presence of God. Uh, the Bible talks about David being a man after God's own heart, which means he pursued the presence of God more than anything. And this is what this house is about. This is what we, we prefer presence over programs. We prefer presence over production. We're, we're not going to allow lights and cameras and songs and set lists to stop the presence of the Lord. We follow the leading of the Spirit. So that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about building a house of presence. Uh, if you would appease me and appease the Word of God and standing for the Word of God. We're going to go to Exodus. We're going to the Old Testament. We're going to the Old Testament. Exodus 33. If you don't have your Bible, it's up on the screen, so that's okay. If you got an uh, Android, I'm going to give you a little time to get there because, you know, we know y'all a little, y'all a little delayed in some areas. But it's all right. God's going to restore you today. We're going to believe for you to get an Apple iPhone after service. That's what we're praying for. Uh, <laughs> so we're at Exodus 33, verse 12. Um, and before we read, I want to give context of what's happening. So if you ever read the New Testament or ever heard of Moses, or if you watched the Prince of Egypt, how many of you watched the Prince of Okay. So you have kind of almost an idea of what's happening in this scripture. Moses is leading the people of Israel out of Egypt. So he has just gone to Pharaoh, let my people go. God has sent the plagues to Egypt and opened the Red Sea and done all this stuff to prepare his people, the the Israelites, to get to a land of promise. So this scripture that we're about to read, the Israelites are between their past and on the way to their promise. Can anybody identify with that? I'm between, not what I used to be, but I'm still not, still. So that's, that's where the Israelites are right now. And we're going to pick up uh, on a conversation between Moses and the Lord. This is what it says. One day Moses said to the Lord, you have been telling me, take these people up to the promised land. Wait, I want to pause. What's really funny, if you ever read the Old Testament, especially the conversations we got of Moses, they're going back and forth like, these your people. God is like, nah, these your people. Because the Israelites are known for their idolatry. I'm going to stop and kind of, we'll get there later. But they're known for how much they turn their back on God. Uh, So take these people up to the promised land. But you haven't told me whom you will send with me. You have told me, I know you by name and I look favorably upon you. If it is true that you look favorably upon me, let me know your ways so I may understand you more fully and continue to enjoy your favor. And remember that this nation is your very own people. This is what he's telling God. These are your people. The Lord replied, I will personally go with you, Moses, and I will give you rest. Everything will be fine for you. Next verse. Then Moses said, if you don't personally go with us. Don't make us leave this place. How will anyone know that you look favorably upon me, on me and your people, if you don't go with us? For your presence among us sets your people and me apart from all the other people on the earth. The Lord replied to Moses, I will indeed do what you have asked, for I look favorably on you, and I know you by name. Then Moses responded, then show me your glorious presence. All right, you can take your seats. We're talking about house of presence today. What does it look like for a people, for a church, for a life to be built on the presence of the Lord? And if this is your first time to church at all or first time to social, you're like, okay, what does house of presence mean? This is what it means. Our primary purpose, if you're taking notes, write this down. Our primary purpose is to host the presence of God. I'm going to say it again. It should come up on here, I think. Our primary purpose is to host the presence of God. 
That's our goal. That's our purpose. And we're not just talking about in service. We're talking about outside of the four walls. Our primary purpose is to host the presence of God. All right, let me ask you a question. How many of you were uh, greeted very well when you came in here today? Were you, were you hosted well? They had smiles. Did they have smiles? Did it make you want to come to church? Did you want you to leave? Come, hopefully, because you're here. So uh, that's good hosting. Good hosting makes you want to stay, right? Okay, let me ask you another question. How many, <laughs> how many ever uh, slept over somebody's dirty house before? <laughs> Jesus. I remember, no, specifically, I remember when I was a teenager, uh, and you know, I'll be, you know how you, when you're young, you'd be excited about going to everybody's house. Oh, mom, can I go to your house? Can I stay overnight? My mom was always skeptical, like, I don't know what they've been doing, but one time she let me go. And I got there, and I mean, I didn't, I didn't, I'm not bougie, let me just say that. I'm not bougie, but I like cleanliness, you know? So I got there and I was scared to go to the bathroom because, you know, they had a little, you know that brown stuff that just kind of be in the corners? <laughs> the corners, it had that kind of everywhere. And then I went in the kitchen and it was, I wasn't, I just, so I text my mom, I was like, mom, can you come get me tonight? You know, I told my friend, I was like, hey, my mom said I gotta come, I'm so sorry, I can't even stay. Because bad hosting makes you not want to stay. Dirty homes makes you not comfortable. Let me tell you what good hosting is. Good hosting gives you permission. Like when Pastor Taylor, <laughs> when Pastor Taylor was talking about that, I be in the, in the refrigerator and stuff. Don't nobody just go to your house and open your refrigerator. They, like you have to, they have to know you. You have to give them permission. Like when I go to people's houses, they're like, help yourself. I'm like, okay, that means don't. <laughs> that means if you find me in a pantry, at 12 a.m. trying to find something to eat. You told me to help myself. That's what good, but that's what good hosting does. It gives you permission. So our primary purpose is to host the presence of God. So what we're saying is, as a church, as a body, as believers, in your personal life, what our goal is, is to make God feel welcome. It, it's, to, it's to give God permission. When we say have your way, we means, yeah, we, we plan the set. We plan the service. We know offering's supposed to happen here. We know the altar call's supposed to, we know the word's supposed to go here. But if you want to do something different, have your way. Because that's what good hosting does. It gives you permission. So we're a house of presence. Primary purpose is to host the presence of God. You're going to have that memorized by the end of the day. Um, every movement in every king in the Bible is known or measured by how well they paid attention to the presence of God. If you look at David, David, there's a story of David uh, talking about bringing back the Ark of the Covenant back into the house of the Lord. What the Ark of the Covenant was, since they didn't have the Holy Spirit present at the time, you know, the New Testament believers, they had a physical thing that represented the presence of God. So they would move the Ark. When the Ark of the Covenant moved, it was as if God is moving, right? So there was a season where the Ark of the Covenant, the presence of God was not in the temple. There are some churches and there are a lot of believers who have settled with the presence of God, just kind of taking a back seat in, the, in his temple. Aren't you glad you don't go to a church like that? Like that, that actually has the Ark of the Covenant, the presence of God. So David is known for bringing the covenant back. Uh, there's even a king in the Bible talks about King Hezekiah. The first thing he did in the Bible as king, because he was leading a godless nation at the time, first thing he did was send Levites, which were the minstrels, which were the worship leaders, back to the temple on their posts. Uh, there's even another, uh, another man in the Bible named Jacob, the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Jacob, if you, uh, Jacob was a trickster, if you know the Bible. Uh, but Jacob was asleep, the Bible says, and he had a dream of angels descending and ascending. And he woke up and said, surely I have been in the presence of the Lord. And he named that place Bethel. So every, every person in the Bible, if you just go throughout scripture, is measured by their attentiveness to the presence of God. Because you, our lives are determined by how we honor the presence of God. And what you don't honor, you see less of. Let me, let me help some of y'all relationships out. If you're seriously dating right now, if you're seriously dating right now, if you're wondering, maybe, or if you're parenting, because I have kids, if you're parenting 
and you're wondering why you're seeing less of something in your, your spouse, your, your partner, your, your kid's life, maybe it's because you're not affirming it enough. Honor brings out something in people that you may not see often. It's if you honor it, you'll see more of it. So our whole lives are determined by how we honor the presence of the Lord. And um, when we talk about the presence of God, if you're like me, I'm very logical. Uh, and I know I have some of you in here. If you listen to a preacher, you're like, well, the Bible says this. And blah, blah, blah. so you, you already going back and forth with me in your head. I do that too. It's okay. Um, so you're like, God is omnipresent. God's everywhere. So what do you mean by the presence of God? I can be at home. You know, this gener our generation, I can be at home, watch church, and God is there. I can, I could be on my job. I don't have to go to church on Sundays. I don't have to go into a building with people. God is with me everywhere I go. You're right. God resides everywhere. He does. But he's not revealed everywhere. So what we mean by the presence of God, we mean God's revealing himself in a space. Uh, one, one author described it like this. God's presence, the presence of God means God exerting his influence in a way that we see, in a way that we are able to discern. Uh, another author said God's uh, presence is his working. So yes, God resides everywhere. He's not revealed everywhere. Um, it's, it's almost like you can, you can tell if you've been in the presence of God by the fruit that you birthed after, right? Uh, if... Back in my house when I was growing up, whenever, <laughs> whenever we go to church, my parents are pastors, so whenever we go to church or whenever, shoot, if we go to the grocery store, one thing my parents used to say, this is a more house, and anything that comes out this house acts, speaks, talks, looks like a more, okay? So that, that was the standard. And you know, even in, uh, even in my black culture, we got a lot of gossip in our culture. And you, you see, <laughs> hello. <laughs> you be seeing kids, especially like if you ever see somebody from school, you be like, oh, you know, that's Mr. Smith's son. You know? I heard he don't raise his kids right. Like, how you? <laughs> it's because you are a fruit, hello, of the environment you spend the most time in. You're a fruit of the environment you spend the most time in. You can't help it. You are a fruit. If you spend your time the most in the world of Instagram, the fruit that you're going to become is performance. You're going to live a performance-based life because that's the presence you spend the most time in. So I'm going to back off that because I don't want to step on your toes too much. Um, <laughs> so you, you know the, you'll know the presence of God by his fruits. You'll know if you've been in the presence of God by fruit. And presence, I want to clear this up, presence is not just atmosphere. So sometimes we're being in good, good atmosphere, vibes, and we're like, oh man, God is here. No. Do you know, I was talking to one of my friends, do you know Michael Jackson's concerts have very powerful atmospheres? So much so that I never knew this the other day. So much so that literally at all of his concerts, all of his concerts that he used to do, there were many like ambulances, multiple at the venues because people would pass out. <laughs> like, like they would pass out. They would see him, feel something, and faint. <laughs> Most of us don't even pass out under the presence of the power of God. It's to say, it speaks to the fact that everything is spiritual. You can walk in a room full of a whole hundred angry people and you feel tense. It's the spirit of the room. So the thing we have to be as believers, we have to be careful of, is not, uh, is the Bible says it like this. The Bible says judging the fruit of a thing. And what it's saying is finding out what is the source of what I'm feeling. Because not everything that's good is God. Okay. I'll back up. So how do you know you're in the presence of God? How do you know you're a fruit environment you spent the most time in? So how do you know that you've been in his presence? I have, uh, let's do, I have four. Let's do four. Four things that you can, there's more than this, but you can tell if you've been in the presence of God. Uh, Romans 14 and 17 says, the kingdom of God is not meat and drink 
but it is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So the, the manifest presence of God is the establishment of the kingdom of God, okay? You get that? Whenever God show, reveals himself in a place, he's establishing his kingdom. So everything after that must follow by his kingdom. So let's talk about righteousness. You know you've been in the presence of God if uh, repentance is a thing still. I know it's not talked about, but repentance is still a thing. And if you want to get into the presence of God quickly, repent. Uh, John, First John says, uh, if we confess our sins, he that is faithful to forgive will cleanse, of, uh, cleanse us of all unrighteousness. So what that means is when the presence of God shows up, there is some type of brokenness that you see. It's what we talked about earlier. When you see him, you see you. There's some type of brokenness that's revealed and the Lord puts righteousness upon you. It's no work of your own. That, and that, that's where I feel like the, the Lord is bringing his church out of religious ideology where you feel like even, even in the presence of God, you have to clean yourself up. You're not that powerful. Like a lot of us sit in church under under the presence of God, still holding on to our condemnation and our shame because our mindset is that, man, I did this, so I must have to do this to get back to him. You can't find God. I, like, you know, like those church people that be like, oh, 1977, I found God. Or, or, or even some new generation, like 2003 is when I found God. You can't find him. You're not that strong or that smart. The Bible says he found us. We love him because he first loved us. So it's no power on your own. So the, the, that's one way, the righteousness. You feel brokenness and the Lord clothes you with righteousness. Another way is joy. And joy is not happiness. Joy is not feel good, be good, be happy, smile all the time. Joy is a resolve, like, like James said, I count it all joy in the midst of trial and tribulations, when I face trial and tribulations, because joy is a resolve that you have that no matter what's coming this way, it won't affect what's happening this way. And if you want to see if you really have joy, show up to work and your boss make you mad. See what, <laughs> see what the first reaction is. That's, that's how you go check if you have joy. No, because joy is about what you resolved in. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus Christ and his faithfulness and how he is. My joy, that's what your joy should be built. The Bible says the joy of the Lord is our strength. So let's do an equation. If you have no joy, then you're not going to have any strength. Because joy is built upon the cornerstone of Jesus Christ. So that's another way. Another way is peace. And this is probably my favorite one. Because, you know, in, in, in this culture, I don't, peace is kind of just thrown around like it's just this state of serenity and yoga and ah, I have peace. No, peace is more so about stability and serenity. I'm going to say it again. Peace is more so about stability than serenity. Peace is about uh, you being content in any circumstance. It's about you showing up to the hospital. Man, showing up to the hospital and you're faced with bad news. Man, you've been diagnosed with this. And it's like, dang, I got peace. It's, it's that that peace that surpasses all understanding. Like, I should not have peace. I, there, there are some storms. You ever been in a storm? Oh, I'm getting happy. You ever been in a storm and it, it looks real impossible, like your back is against the wall, but you can walk out of place and be like, man, I just feel so good. I got peace because I know God's going to work it out. That's the peace that comes from the presence of God. When you've been in the presence of God, you can walk in front of Goliath and you can stand flat-footed and say, this is not my battle. The battle belongs to the Lord because I've been in the presence of God and I got peace. That's the peace we're talking about. The last thing, I, I, I want to make it even more, a little more practical. 
Another uh, fruit that you can tell if you've been in the presence of the Lord is uh, mundane work becomes special. This is going to step on y'all totally. Step on mine. Mundane work becomes special. You know what that means? That means on your job and, okay. One. Okay. That means if you're on your job and you're doing something that doesn't just, doesn't feel as interesting or important, you see God in it. When you've been in the presence of the Lord, I can, you can walk out of here and find God in everything. You be driving your car, driving through downtown, and see somebody, you be like, man, God is really blessing that person. You, you just feel all sanctified and holy and just see, but everything becomes special, especially in a church context. Let's bring it down to a practical level, especially in social. If you are volunteering, and if your, your service this Sunday is to come and show up at six o'clock, and get the signs out the truck and just place them along the street. The presence of God, to a way you know you've been in the presence of God is when you're placing them signs and you're praying. God, I thank you that for whoever who see this sign, you find God in everything. Whoever see this sign is gonna pull in this parking lot and feel your presence. People who didn't even plan to come to church, they're gonna pull up in this parking lot because they're gonna feel your presence when I'm placing the sign down. You find God in everything. And, and, and the, the, the uh, application here is that whatever way you serve in any environment, not just our church, but whatever way you serve, find God. I don't care if you're scrubbing toilets, find God. Because God can meet people on the toilet. Okay? You don't believe that. You don't have enough faith. Find God in it. <laughs> find God. So, and, and Sunday is not the... Okay, I'm going to spend time in his presence, and I'm going to bear fruit every other day if I don't. That's, this is not what that is for. All of this stuff is for your daily life. You got to have a daily devotion. Okay. You have to prioritize God. There, I'm going to pull out a scripture in a little bit, but there, there, there is a thing where you set space and you set time for the presence of God. Whether it's at the top of the day or the bottom of the day or in the middle of the day, whatever your schedule is. But there is a, a thing called devotion that if you set your day in order right, everything else will follow. If he's the head of your life and he's the first part of your day, everything else will follow. Uh, uh, Exodus 33 and seven, let's pull it up. This is how Moses did it in the Old Testament. So this is what it says. Moses took his tent and pitched it outside the camp, far from the camp, and called it the tabernacle of meeting. And it came to pass that everyone who sought the Lord went out to the tabernacle of meeting, which was outside the camp. I mean, how many times does it say outside in that? Out, 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 outside, outside. It's because, you want to break it down? The revelation is, oh, are you ready for this? Are you ready? The, revela <laughs> the revelation is the presence of God is going to require your comfortability. It's going to require what you're familiar with. Moses set the tent of meeting outside, away from the camp, because usually the cost of getting in the presence of God and remaining and abiding in him is the cost of your social circle. Familiarity is the sacrifice of getting in the presence of God. We have to be comfortable, be okay with walking away. Even Jesus, when he was calling the disciples, what did he call them? He said, if you're going to follow me, you have to leave some things. <laughs> if you're going to cling to me, you have to leave. You can't be led of him without leaving them. You can't be led of him without leaving them. It reminds me even of Abraham uh, when he was going up the mountain to uh, do a sacrifice. And you remember the Lord had to provide a ram in the bush because he was about to kill his son and sacrifice him to the Lord. It, when he was at the bottom of the mountain, you know what the Lord told him? He says, hey, when you go worship me on the mountain, leave your company. 
Let them stay with the donkeys. Because anytime uh, uh, the Lord is positioning you to a sin in him, it's going to require you leave some things. Because he knows that unconsciously we are programmed and controlled by our comfortability. You, you, eat, let's, okay, let's go, let's go to our families. Our families, when I, when I was raising up, I mean, when I was growing up, my family just knew I had to go to college. Because it made them comfortable. Because everybody else in my family went to college. I have a whole bunch of doctors in my family. If I didn't become a doctor, my grandfather, to this day I think he still has a problem with it, he's just not telling me. But... <laughs> If I was not going to become a doctor, my grandfather probably just would have disowned me at one, at one point, for real. When I dropped out of college, I mean, he was, it's because we are fashioned and molded by others' familiarity with us. But the presence of the Lord will always require what you're comfortable with. <laughs> the presence of the Lord will always require what you, what you cool with. It's, look, it's always going to require your ideal life. The fact that I'm up here <laughs> is a result of the presence of the Lord. I did not want to be leading worship and stuff in churches. Can I be honest? <laughs> I did not want to be preaching to people. That's not my ideal life. But when you are... In the presence of God, when the presence of God is strong in your life, if you're a lover of Jesus, the sacrifice is going to be your ideal life. And what I feel the Lord even stirring now is that a lot of you are facing, you're, it's like the Lord has you at a crossroad right now. And, and you're facing, man, am I going to go with the career that I've been planning for? Am I going to go with the job that my family has been grooming me for? Or am I going to go with the calling of the Lord that I feel in my heart? And, and you're going to... The presence of the Lord does not come without displeasure for, for somebody else. And a lot of us have been built people pleasers. I mean, I was really bad at one point. Like, <laughs> no, I'm not even going to. I was so bad, I didn't want to leave people's houses without them telling me, okay, you can go. It's so stupid. Because I, <laughs> I don't want them to think, oh, Chandler don't. No, I was so bad. But what I've learned and journeyed through the presence of God is that people are not going to be happy. Hey, if Jesus could not make everybody happy, what makes you think you can? Yeah. I quit trying. Just look at somebody and say, quit trying. It's not, it's not going to work. So it's, it's devotion. What devotion does your daily devotion, it gives you new eyes. There's a scripture in Romans 12 and 2, it says, uh, well, 12 1 says, present your body as living sacrifice, as holy and acceptable, which is your reason of service to God. And then it says, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may know God's will that is pleasing and perfect for you. So what, what Paul was saying is that if there's no daily renewal of your mind, don't be shocked when you're stuck in the command of two years ago. If there's no constant, not Sunday to Sunday renewal, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, if there's no daily renewal of your mind, don't be shocked if we're numb to the presence of God. Because that means we're not aware to what he's doing today. Even the Our Father's Prayer says, give us this day our daily bread. That means the bread of yesterday is not going to work for the bread of today. The word from yesterday is not going to work for the Monday. This word is cool for today, but you're going to need another word tomorrow. Give us this day our daily bread. It's a daily devotion because you have to have new eyes. Even what the song we sing, all the angels cry out, holy, holy, holy. What, you know what that song is saying? There are angels 24-7 in heaven, in the presence of God, the unending presence of God, crying holy, 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 and the elders 24-7. Do you know why? It's because God is so massive. He's so big that every time they see something, they say something. And when they say something, they see something new. 
It's a thing of holy, holy, holy. He's so massive that every time they say something, they're seeing another side of him. And that's how we have to be every day. The day and the moment you get satisfied with a yesterday God, you need to check your heart. The moment you get satisfied with, I'm going to just go to church on Sunday and I'm going to pray that the Sunday just overflowing the rest of the week. You need to check your heart. Because the Lord may have a word, does have a word for you on Monday that he may not speak to you on Sunday. It's a daily thing. Look at somebody say it's a daily thing. Devotion gives us new eyes. And I, I, had, I had this thought. I had this thought. All of us need, uh, what's the one, them little airport security uh, machine things, the little beep when you go through it? Metal detector. There you go. Thank you, bro. We all need one of those because we have to learn that the awareness of, our, of the presence of God is directly related to how sensitive we are to him. I call it the discipline of sensitivity. So the metal detector thing, I travel a lot. And some, sometimes I can go through with paper in my pocket. I have a couple dollars in my pocket. And it don't do a thing. I mean, is so then I go to other airports and I got paper in my pocket and it just goes off. They're like, sir, you got to take the paper out. Well, I was like, well, I was in Boston last week and they didn't just... <laughs> and you know, what I, you know what I had to learn? Is that every place sets the sensitivity at a different thing. In every different airport, whoever's the TSA leader sets the sensitivity at a different level. And that's what we have to do. In every season of your life, there are some seasons where I can donda 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 I can donda all day. But then but then there are some seasons that require a little less donda in and a little more the Lord is my shepherd I shall not want. You you have to you have to have a sensitivity detector. What am I sensitized to in this season? Or the better question could be, what am I desensitized to? I remember watching, y'all y'all gonna, gonna think this is real Old Testament, but judge me, sue me, I don't care. Um, I remember there was a season of my life where I was watching Scandal. I was watching, um, what's that other show? Uh, 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 House of Cards. I was watching uh, all this stuff that had marriage portrayed as something that it wasn't. And I remember leading worship places and uh, the type of ministry I have, I, I, I lead worship and the Lord allows me, uh, calls me to pray for certain things and cause certain stuff. And I remember a season, I was desensitized to, to how broken marriages were because all I was watching on TV were broken marriages. There are certain seasons where the Lord calls you to a deeper level of consecration. I know that word is foreign, but there are still some people who are consecrated. The Lord's going to pull you back from some audiences. He's going to pull you back from some outings. He's going to pull you back from some social gatherings. He's going to pull you back from some certain type of music because he's trying to prepare you for the new season. If you are not sensitized for the next season, then you're not ready for the next season. Because there are some things over there that are not over here, and the Lord has to prepare your heart. Because you just said it, say, Lord, sensitize me. I know we're talking about this hand sanitizer. We need some sensitizer. <laughs> and hand sanitizer. Uh, uh, yeah, so discipline of sensitivity. Uh, is a routine of seeking him. And don't get religious in your routine. I know a lot, when I was growing up, they were like, make sure you seek the Lord, seek the Lord. So if I miss, I, I, mean, I was like, Lord, I'm gonna get up 6 a.m. every day and I'm gonna seek your face. <laughs> Y'all know what happened the next thing? <laughs> and we get religious and we, we beat ourselves up like, oh, dang, I didn't, make, I didn't wake up at 6 and meet the Lord. Bump that. The Lord wants quality over quantity. So if it's 
on your way to work 15 minutes and it's intentful and it's intentional and in, uh, all your heart is in it, the Lord wants that more than your fake covenants that you're going to make. I'm going to wake up at 5 o'clock, go in my closet, read your word. I'm going to pray for an hour and a half. Like, you haven't prayed for a year. Just stop with it. <laughs> it's like, it's like why, why do we think God is intimidated with how small we start? He's not. He wants your heart. He wants your heart. Okay, let's move on. All right, so in the wilderness, Frank, I have five minutes. Whoa, Jesus. Let me speed through this. All right, in the wilderness, where we, where we are in our scripture, uh, the Israelites are journeying from past to a promise, right? And, and the, the constant thing, the, one of the issue, main issues of the Israelites was idols, idolatry. Ugh, idolatry. Uh, even... Even uh, when Moses, this is actually really funny. When Moses was up on the mount getting, writing the Ten Commandments that we all know and we all keep. Uh, <laughs> he's up on the mount and writing the Ten Commandments. The, you know what the first commandment is? Thou shalt not have any other gods before me. Do you know what they were doing at the bottom of the mountain while Moses writing that? Worshiping an idol. So Moses couldn't even write the instruction out good before they break it. That's why Moses and God are going back and forth. These your people. Nah, these your people. These your people. Nah, these. That's why, because they were people who were known for their idolatry. And I, I, I just wonder if we've taken on a context that God is a jealous God. So the, the, uh, in Exodus 30, he says, for I am a jealous God. He even calls himself jealous, like my name is jealous. And that doesn't mean God is envious. He's not jealous of, he's jealous for. Say so he's not jealous of, he's jealous for. It's a type of, it's because he made you. And he knows that any threat to your destiny is a possibility that you're gonna get off mark. Oh, he knows that this, there's a scripture in Psalms that talks about idols. It says, those who make them and trust in them will become like them. That's the, the, the idea behind idolatry. What you build, you have to sustain. Ooh. Do you think them, I, them statues of Buddha, I just, I don't want to offend nobody. I just don't think I could serve an obese statue, just an obese God. Can he do <laughs> like a God that I have to move? They have to move Buddha to worship him. I don't think that that works for me because I, I can barely move myself out of bed in the morning and I have to go move a, a big statue. It, that's what idolatry is. What you build, you have to sustain. The job <laughs> that you may have, that the Lord may have like, oh, I don't think that's what's best for you. Like, nah, Lord, they offering six figures. I, I gotta, or that house. Oh, Jesus, I'm going through that now. The Lord, I was about to buy a house and the Lord took it away from me. He said, no. Uh, but the house, I may have, we may have bought the house and been, had no peace living in it. It's because I got it. What you gain in your strength, you're gonna have to maintain in your strength. You have to maintain strength. So they, 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 they had an issue with idolatry. Uh, I'm trying to break this down a little bit long. Uh, so I had a GMC Terrain uh, in my last car when I lived in Atlanta. And they had some weird stuff going on with it. I can't remember what was happening, but it was just weird. I don't, I don't build nothing. I don't fix nothing. I can't, I can't tell the engine oil light from the brake light. I don't know. I'm just not that type of... When Hannah be asking me, can you, can you put this up? I'd be like, handy app. Let me find somebody to get over here and build it. I don't fix nothing. So something was wrong with my car. And, you know, I thought I would take the cheap way out and take it to one of those, you know, one of those little uh, places that be like, we fix cars. <laughs> Woo. So I took it to the we fix car, <laughs> we, we fix cars place. 
And man, they ended up jacking up my car so bad. When I got it back, I, I literally, I called my dad. I was like, damn. I was like, something's wrong with my car. Where should I? He was like, take it to GMC. <laughs> he said, take it to GMC. I said, yeah, that would make sense, because that's the manufacturer. <laughs> Maybe they know what's happening. <laughs> they built it. And, and we're laughing, but we do this. A lot of us are sitting in this room right now taking our issues to people who did not even form us. We've built idols out of marriages. You, just because you married somebody don't mean you can fix them now. Stop dating on potential. I'm not going to go there, but um, we've built idols out of jobs and careers and money and resources and we expect these things to give us joy to give us peace to give us happiness to give us sustainability and we've built idols and you think that that thing that you built can fix you you think that relationship that you formed and you made that you know God ain't in, it's gonna give you peace? We've built, out, we've built idols. And we're, and, we're, uh, and we're depending on things to fix us that did not make us. I'm gonna keep moving. I wanna stay there. But it's, let me just say one more thing. One more thing. Because I feel it, it's tightening in the room, but we're gonna, we, you're going to be all right. You're going to be all right. It's easier, listen, for you to make idols when you don't know whose image you were made in. Man, I feel Jesus. It's easier for you to build things and worship when you don't know who made you. Or you don't accept the fact that he made you. You weren't a mistake from your mom and daddy having a one-night stand. The Lord used who was available at the time to bring you in the earth. We have to change our perspective. We think we were just a happenstance from our parents and they got a divorce after. No, the Lord used what he could to get you here. You, the Lord is more of your father than your biological father is. The Lord is more of your mother than your biological mother is. He created you. He told Jeremiah before you were in your mother's womb, I made you. I just need you to look at somebody and say, God made this. God made this. God made this. So I'm not going to run to no man to fix me. I'm not going to run to no woman to fix me. If God be for me, he made me. Only God can fix this. Only God can heal this. Only God can mend this. If you know God is your restorer, would you make some noise in this room? We're raising up a people who know who God is. We're raising up a people who God is only the mender. He's the only mender. He's the only mender. Only he can fix me. All right, let's keep moving. Um, Jesus. I just, feel, I just feel that for somebody. Because we come to church and even think church can fix us. Do you know, I'm... I'm 26. I'm 26. I've been in church my whole life. My dad's a pastor. Been in church my whole life. And it wasn't until I was about 19 that I realized, man, this church stuff can't fix me. Me coming to church is not fixing anything. It's what I do with what I get in here and who I take it to. It's God. Only God can fix you. Okay, another issue they had and uh, this is my last point, last two points, last three, last four. Um, <laughs> another problem they had was, do you all remember hearing in the Bible when the Lord would provide manna for them? We're talking about presence here. When the Lord would provide manna. So the Lord, the Israelites were guided by the Lord's presence. They didn't have anything else. It was Moses, it was God and Moses' presence. So the Lord's, uh, they were asking, they were complaining for food. When are we going to eat? They even in the wilderness, after God delivered them, compared them not having food to Egypt when they were in bondage. They're like, at least in slavery, we had meat. Like, what? They were comparing. So the Lord, you know what the Lord did? He gave them manna. 
The Bible says he gave them manna from heaven. The quails would drop off manna. And even then they were still complaining. And you know, it, it spoke to me. It's because a lot of us would rather choose our preference over his presence. We would rather choose how we want it than how his presence gives it. Even right now, a lot of us are waiting for things and the reason our eyes aren't, aren't open to how he's going to do it is because we think it's coming how we see it. We're waiting for stuff because we think it's coming how, how we, just how we want it. But there's a resolve that you have to have that if the presence of God is with me, it doesn't matter how it shows up. As long, as long as his presence is leading me, it doesn't matter how the food comes. It doesn't matter how the relationship comes because I'm guided by his presence. I'm even reminded of David. When y'all remember David was, the Bible talks about him dancing out of his clothes. David was getting it outside temple praising the Lord, dancing out of his clothes. And for me, I'm like, I'm good. I'm like, I'd rather, like for me, I'd rather sit in my seat, you know, occasionally get up, wave, Thank you, Jesus. Occasionally sing a little bit. But then I thought about it. I said, I'm not going to choose my preference over his presence. And a lot of us do that in church. We, we know the presence of God is there, but we'd rather keep our cool just to prove to our friends that oh, I'm not one of them. No, I'm going after his presence every time I get the chance because I don't know when I'm not going to be able to. There are some people in the hospital who wish they could be in here, so I'm not going to keep my presence, my preference. I'm going after his presence. I'm going after his presence. And even more practical, a lot of us choose churches off of our preference. I need the pastor to be this. He need to look like this. I need him to have a choir. The choir need to sound like this. Oh, I need a worship team to sing my song. What's that song? I need, I need him to sing my song. When is all of this for us? As long as the church has the presence of God, keep your preference. Save your preference for Burger King. There, how about that? Save your preference for something else that caters to you. This doesn't cater to us. This is catering to the presence of God. We are hosting the presence of God. So even for, um, I know social is like deemed as the young church and the young adults. But even for the older generation, we need y'all. The Bible talks about old men dreaming dreams. And the young men having the strength to run with what they saw. Older generation, we need y'all. I would say lay down your preference for what you think your church is supposed to look like. If we have the presence of God, that's all that matters. That's all that matters. Look at somebody and say, that's all that matters. That's all that matters. That's all that matters. Last point for uh, worship team, y'all can come up. There's a thing uh, that Moses says at the end of... Uh, Verse 17, 18. Then Moses said, if you don't personally go with us, don't make us leave this place. If you don't personally go with us. So what Moses is saying, God, because in the previous chapter, God told Moses, he was like, I'm going to send an angel with you. And it didn't mean like one of them angels that fly with all white that we see in our Bibles, you know, not, not one of those. He was talking, I'm going to just send a messenger. He said, I was going to get somebody. I'll send a messenger with you. And Moses is not content with just the messenger. I wonder how many of us have been content with the messenger. I wonder how many of us are content with the presence of someone who's godly than God's presence. I don't just want a godly person to walk in life with. I don't just want my pastor to be God. I don't want to just hear the godly message he has to preach. I want the presence of God. So what Moses here is asking, he said, yo, if you 
aren't coming, you. I don't, not anything, anybody you send, not any messenger. If you don't come with us, don't make us leave this place. And we have to have that resolve. That if the Lord is not leading us in a thing, we should not go thing. Because you know, whatever you do without God will turn on you. You ever tried it? <laughs> I can't tell how many, how many relationships I've been in that God was not the same. I mean, I would try to pray. I'm like, let's, let's wake up in the morning and pray. Let's try to, try to force God to be the same. Like, God, you're going to come in this. He wasn't in it. But at the time, I was content with being in something that he wasn't in. And it turned on me. Every time. You ever been at a job and you know the Lord didn't lead you there? Or a church? Or anywhere? Anything? And you know the Lord's peace wasn't with you there? And you thought you had it. I mean, you thought you got away. And that thing just, it turned on you. Yeah, it will every time. Because what God does not approve, he's not going to affirm or sustain. I, I, would, I would ask you and tell you that it's in your best interest to stop trying to force God on your yes and you just go along with his yes. A lot of us feel tension right now because we're in the middle, of, we're in the tension of that. And I get it, that's human, that's our, that's our nature. God, you want this, but I want this. God, you said this, but I, I think this is best. And we're in that tension of if you don't go personally with us. And I would remind you that the presence of God, the Bible says the Holy Spirit will lead and guide us into all truth. If you knew how to do all of this, you would have done it. If you knew how to get yourself to the point that you are, you would have done it. If, if I knew how to accomplish all this stuff in my own strength, but the truth is we don't. We don't. It is only the presence and the ability of God that can get us here. I want us to go to Exodus 34, and this is where we're closing. So before, before our scripture, Moses, before Exodus 33, Moses had just broken the tablets, the Ten Commandments. You can stand, actually, just stand. Help me finish faster. <laughs> Moses had just broken the Ten Commandments, the tablets that the Lord told him to write on, right? And, and he was annoyed with the Israelites because they had been doing idolatry and serving other idols. So he broke the tablets in anger and in frustration. He broke the Ten Commandments, the stone that the Ten Commandments were on. He broke it. And in Exodus 34, before this verse, the Lord tells him, he says, hey, go get some stones. Mm. Go get some tablets. He's in the presence of the Lord. Because the presence of the Lord, the, glo the glory of the Lord does not come without demands. I think we're cool with the presence of the Lord as long as it allows us to keep our cool and, you know, keep our, but it never does. His presence always comes with commands. And if we are going to be a house of presence, we can't avoid obeying the voice and the commands of the Lord. This means that if it in any way makes you inconvenient, we still have to say yes. From the top to the bottom, I mean, I can't, tell you that imagine the countless decisions that our leaders have had to make that it may have been more beneficial in other ways but they knew the presence of the Lord wasn't going with them how inconvenient it can be for the church but that's our resolve that if the presence of the Lord does not go with us we're not going and every command we have to say yes so we can't be a house of presence without 
obeying the voice and the commands of the Lord. And then the Lord does something very interesting that I feel like he's about to do in this room really fast. Um, Moses takes the stones, starts writing. He obeys the Lord. And then in the presence of God, looks what happened. Look what happens. The Lord replied, listen, I am making a covenant with you in the presence of all your people. That's how you know you're in the presence of God. When there are covenants being made. I remember uh, when Pastor Robert did me and Hannah's wedding. And he said something that I, I mean, I don't really like weddings, but I've heard at weddings before. They didn't really click till then. He was like, now in the presence of God and in the presence of everyone who's here, I announce that you are blah, 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 blah. And it, it, when I was thinking about that, preparing for this, it hit something different. Because not only did I make a covenant, did we make covenant in the presence of God, he made a covenant to us in his presence. And what the Lord is trying to get to us as a house of presence, whoo, is that it's not just on you. It's not just on you to make promises, make vows. But when you get in his presence, he wants to make a covenant with you. He wants to make a promise to you. He wants to make, so in, in the presence of God, there are covenants being exchanged. We're giving him vows. We're making vows. Lord, I'll never do this without you. Lord, I'll never walk without you. I'll never go without you. And he's making covenants. And this was the covenant that he made. I will perform miracles that have never been performed anywhere in all the earth or any nation. And all the people around you will see the power of the Lord, the awesome power I will display for you. Social, I believe that's the covenant the Lord is making with us today. That the things that we will see here have never been seen before. That the things that will be heard here have never been heard before. And I don't just believe that for the church. I believe that for your life. That the things that God wants to do in you individually, your family has never seen. The power of God that's going to be displayed through you, the earth has never seen it before. So as God is making a covenant with us, in his presence, let's make a covenant with him that we will not go without you. If you don't take us personally, like Moses said, don't make us leave this place. I want to pray. Um, I want to pray for two kinds of people. One, those who feel numb to the presence of God. And two, those who need to make another covenant in God's presence. Give him another yes for whatever the journey is. Um, if that's you, just lift your hands. I'm not going to ask you to come down. If that's you, just lift your hands. If you're either numb to the presence of God or you feel like you can't feel it, I can't sense the presence of God, or you need to just give God another yes in his presence, I just want to pray. Uh, Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you that you are a God who's not moved by our works, who's not moved by what we lack who's not moved by our performance, but you are a God who gives us your presence as a gift. Now, Father, I just pray just against every lying spirit and every lying thing that'll try to numb us to your presence, whether it's disappointment, whether it's bitterness, whether it's unforgiveness, whether it's condemnation, shame, or guilt. Father, I thank you that your love woo, is freeing up our hearts to feel again. Your love is freeing up our, our, uh, our, our sensibility to feel again. You're freeing up our sensitivity. You're freeing up our discernment. You're freeing up our awareness even now. In the name of Jesus, I thank you that for your presence, in your presence there is fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore. I thank you that we will just not find your presence in the house of God, not just at social, but we'll find your presence in our homes. We'll find your presence in our cars. We'll find your presence in our jobs. Father, soften the heart and heart even now. Father, I thank you that you're delivering people from lies, from even church hurt, from lies, from even the word curses of their parents 
from lies, from even family misunderstanding. I thank you that the presence of God will be felt in every heart. Hallelujah. That the presence of God will be felt in every soul. The presence of God will be felt in our emotions. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Now, Father, I just pray that this is a moment of new covenant. Hallelujah. That this is a moment where we surrender again. Yes. Where we surrender again. Where we're surrendering again. That we're giving you our life. That we're giving you our ideal life. We're giving you our motives. We're giving you our reasoning. We're even giving you our perspective. Father, I thank you that you're striking up a covenant as you did with Moses. And we say yes to your will. Hallelujah. We say yes to your plan. We say yes to whatever you want to do in us. We say yes to the callings of the Lord. We say yes to the dealings of the Lord. We say yes to the perspective of the Lord. Your will be done. Thy kingdom come. Your will be done in us, through us, in our hearts, in our minds, in our children, in our family. Father, we need your presence. Father, we need your presence. Social, would you just worship him for his presence? Come on. Say yes to him if you need to. Just worship him for his presence. Father, we worship you. Father, we worship you. Father, we worship you. Come on, just worship him right there. We would like to thank you for being a part of our social global family. Please head to our website, socialdallas.online, and see the many ways you can stay connected with us from around the world.